For decades, he has meticulously hand-painted his interpretation of the ski slopes all around the world, supplying a unique service of which he has become the king. Painting tree by tree, he communicates the complex terrain, making it immediately accessible. His new book, Man Behind the Maps, is getting great reviews and is available online. What follows is a portion of a conversation with James Nehues. Um, real quick, biographically, you're from here in Colorado. You're from Western Slope, and so you grew up in. Yeah, the... I, I grew up. I grew up in in the Fruta area in in Danaloma, Colorado. And so that whole thing of living and uh, kind of understanding mountains and how you get around them—that's probably a, a pretty common second nature thing for you. Um, that sense of understanding terrain is is something that is probably pretty hardwired. Uh, for someone that grew up in that area. Well, that's right. And, when, you know, I just love the uh, Colorado National Monument. My dad had a boat, and we would go down the Colorado River uh, down towards Utah, and so uh, and we'd get out and hunt a lot, and then I did a lot of hiking. So, yeah, I, it, uh, and, and the fact that I just fell in love with landscapes and wanted to be a landscape painter. Yeah, I, it's funny. The um, when I was going through some of your biographical information, I was intrigued by the fact, and it seemed like you're just like the perfect confluence of of several streams to end up becoming the Nehus that we needed in the world. One was that you had done uh, you had done uh, modeling and illustrations for trials that when you were and that was here in Colorado oh, yeah. in Denver yeah. and yeah. it kind of struck me it's like well yeah. you can't fudge then you have to be precise <laughs> in your visualizations uh true but uh we spent an awful lot of time just putting together um just boards that would be put on in front of the um, jurors you know and, and they were nothing more than than uh a type and we would press type i can remember putting those things together forever and then there would be the interesting jobs we'd have some um you know i can remember illustrating uh, uh how a lady was uh in the front seat and uh and napping in the back position you know all spread out and she had her seat belt on but whenever the whenever the crash occurred or whenever the hard braking occurred it it threw her into the windshield you know and uh killed her and the seat belt just uh was down around her waist so and you'd you'd illustrate i illustrated the different how her body would have come forward and hit the windshield you know or something like that in a lot of different uh types of situations so there's a lot of visualizing the complex but at the same time you did a whole lot of alfec transferable letters and <laughs> and putting up yeah. some description yeah. <laughs> on foam core yeah and that's right there was no accuracy there just just get them looking nice <laughs> the other thing that struck me was that when you were um you would lived up in junction and that you had been in advertising and the one thing that always kind of immediately hits me is that tends to be a business where you have one chance to get a visualization right, or or at least to get the right tone uh, over to the viewer. Is you want to, you don't have a chance to kind of redo or visually apologize or do 2.0. What no. what you what you put <laughs> no. in, yeah what you put out has to be it has to hit the mark, or as darn close to it as you can. 
Yeah, you're always aiming for the mark. It doesn't mean you always hit it, but uh, uh, there's always a little different slant on things. But back then, we'd do paste-ups and and uh, spend a lot of time uh, just pasting stuff together. You know, today you get on the internet or you get on the computer and you put it together rather fast and and everything's straight and level and and you don't worry about anything. But back then we had to use T squares and uh, draw our lines with an ink pen uh, and not a uh, you know a technical pen and uh, get our corner square and everything else. So. Um, uh, it is a lot more tedious in those days. Yeah. Um, the, that craftsmanship element is, um, it's one of those things that begins to inform everything you do. And I think obviously in your instance too, it ended up building a, a real set of skills that um, you're fluid in that kind of detail stuff pretty fast too. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I, I, uh... You know, there's so many things that, uh, well, I just like the airbrushing. You know, I, I used to airbrush uh, old uh, photographs and take the uh, scratches out of them. And even just for individuals, individuals would come in and have an old photograph of grandma and grandpa, and there would be a great big uh, tear right down through his uh, forehead, you know. So so you'd have to come back and, and retouch it and, and get it to look like, also the surface of the print so that it, it didn't look like it was retouched it was it was exactly like the photograph and on the paper that it was on so um there's a lot of different detail that yes i i i learned early uh, you know i didn't go to art school I, uh, very little uh, i had a few classes but uh, the ones that I had, they would more or less say, "Well, okay, let's uh, let's be creative. Whenever you get creative, why uh, let's let's do something." You had a whole whole semester to to figure out what you're going to do and so forth. And out in the real world, it's uh, you, you, a customer comes in, they want it tomorrow, That's right. and you've got to produce. You know, you, you can't sit wait sit around and wait for some creativity to to develop. You just got to do it. Yeah, I'm af- I'm afraid in uh, in the lieu of, the, of of the muse not showing up, sometimes you just have to be able to craft and get there on the fly. <laughs> that's that's the hard. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the hard fast reality <laughs> of things. That's for sure. I was wondering. That's right, Curtis. I was wondering. Um, now we have dealt for the longest time in antique and vintage maps, and Hal Shelton has been a figure that we've known about and even celebrated by Library of Congress. Uh, he got noted as one of the 20th century's top cartographers. And it's funny, I, I went back and uh, was taking a look at some of Hal's work back in his U- USGS days and then into his mm-hmm. ski days. And um, it still strikes me as what he was hitting on back in the 40s and work he did with Jeppesen was... Oh, in- oh yeah. I, I I have no idea how he did it. You know, he, he's got uh, uh, views of the world uh, that are done accurately and and how did he do that i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> i i'm i'm more artist than cartographer really yeah he's uh he reached some kind of amazing kind of crescendo point for uh, this style of visualization is kind of shaded relief approach which i think you kind of be, end up becoming the the culmination of is a very intuitive um, but very rich and dense way to understand a complex place. With um, Hal, by comparison, it starts to feel real sciencey and data-based, 
Yours feels like, oh, this is some place I could go experience. It, it kind of has a kind of playground quality that you can imagine yourself in it. Oh, well, good. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's very good. That's, uh, I think, a very important part of it is to uh, showcase the uh, terrain that you're going to ski in or hike in. And, uh, and, and, you know, I really try to replicate whether it's a, uh, a brush that you're walking through or if you're walking through tall trees. So, um, it's something that I just try to do so that people while they're out there also can find their way around, uh, by associating themselves with the, uh, the foliage that's around or the uh, steepness or, you know, or, uh, obviously a, uh, a stream or something. Now, I've heard tell that uh, photos are incredibly important for you. You always, before you do, before you start out on a project, you'll go out and fly it, get a couple thousand feet above it, and uh, get some general shots of it. But that's that's not all. Can you explain a bit about your process of how you begin working through on a, a project? Well, today with the Internet, I'll go on Google Earth and really review the uh, ski area and and just view it from all sides and then I come back and and give the client a quote from that and and then we'll go ahead and get the aerial photography the uh, google earth is good to review but it just isn't very good at least uh, it's not what i'm looking for whenever you look at the uh, well it, it it'll soften out your ravines and it'll um, you know this is probably 30 feet off in a lot of cases and and uh, you don't see the cliffs. You just don't see any of the vertical stuff. So um, once I get the aerial photographs, I'll, I'll fly it, like you say, 2,000 feet above it, the first pass. And then I'll drop down to about 500 feet above the summit. And I'll, I'll take more detailed shots of <clears throat> all the sections of the mountain. And, uh, and then I'll kind of fly away from it and get the horizon in behind it. And work and make sure I've got photographs of all the terrain uh, that might not seem like it would be in the in the uh, final illustration, but it may be. So I get it, and then I'll fly on down about mid mountain and get the rest of the detail, uh, the uh, lower mountain and the base. And from that, I'll go ahead and uh, and and really get a. Uh, um, by that time, I pretty much have it envisioned on how it's going to be, um, and and I'll go ahead and do a thumbnail sketch that'll that'll um, <clears throat> show the lift lines and the amount of space I need in between for all the trails, and mm -hmm. uh, it'll also be turning the uh, turning all those slopes towards the viewer, you know, so all those distortions will be uh, configured in that in that thumbnail. Once once they approve a thumbnail, then then it goes to the final comprehensive sketch. I'm glad you mentioned distortion because that that was one of the terms that we that we came up in discussing your work was a friendly distortion. That it was. Oh, it's, it's it, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's not too it's not too much that you're going to ever lose some sense of orientation or proportion, but it's just enough to give you some sense of placement. Which it's like, how do you do that? But it sounds like. This is a synthesis that kind of happens as the more you kind of get numerous views of the slope, then it starts to come together inside. You start, it starts to gel on its own. At yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. 
you know, it, it, I think the distortions are very important, and that's why uh, the computer imagery is not uh, as flexible, you know. And, and what I'm a cartographer is one that I've always thought guides somebody. It's a guide. It's it's it doesn't have to be, you know, facts and figures exactly like it is, but it it needs to be able to lead somebody uh, and show them the course. And so that's that's what I really lean heavily on. And like you say, I never distort something so that it's so far off that it's unbelievable or, or like the skier is skiing along and saying, Wow, I just skied for a hundred feet, and and on this map it looks like it's uh, half a mile across here. And um, uh, you got to you got to keep it relative. Yeah. And uh, and and whenever they ski it, they they look at it, and it seems all very very natural. And that's what I strive to do. That's awesome. It's funny that was uh, I think probably the biggest gift that you have is help. <laughs> we were joking around that he helps people typically from lowland go to a high deoxygenated place and try and recognize quickly <laughs> where they're at which is yeah. that, that is a superhuman ability i think at that point well that's a that's that's a good way of putting it i guess i hadn't heard it that way all i could think of was uh, a family coming back east and innately they grab your maps they can do a quick once over. And these are folks that I'm sure if you ask them a complicated question or to do long math, they would have to back out and go get a hit of oxygen. But with your stuff, they're able to go ahead and take a look. And there's enough symbology there that they can orient themselves quickly. And it's not a matter of you have to learn a whole key of of directions or symbols or anything along those lines. But it's you, you basically have gotten um, a simple language to render complex things, which man, that's, <laughs> that's a superpower. Um, when you met, uh, Bill Brown, did he use kind of the same approach and techniques as what you've developed? Oh yes. Very. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. Very, very much. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, kind of learned under him and studied and, uh, so, uh, it, it's very much the same way. Okay. And, and he learned that way from Hal Sheldon. So, yeah, yeah you'd mentioned, uh, it's funny. I was looking at, um, kind of heroes when it comes to depicting complex topography and things that have that same rich quality of being obvious. You look at it and you know what you're looking at. I've never made it to Denali, but if I look at Bradford Washburn's map of all things Mount McKinley, it was a called then, I know exactly. I know why he took that route and how it happened. You'd mentioned Heydrich Baron, uh, the German illustrator. Um, or Swiss. Baran. Yeah, Baran. Yeah, Swiss. Uh, yeah. yeah. How did he, how did those guys kind of play a, an influence? Was it kind of a style thing or color range thing? Well, I think the, the thing that, that impressed me the most as, as it seems to have with you too, is, is the instant ability to understand what you're looking at and saying, wow, yeah, that canyon, that canyon's really deep. You know, or, uh, you know, and, and that's what I've always strove for. Uh, I can remember back, I did one of my very first regionals was Jackson Hole. And uh, it had been out for a little while, and they'd go back to shows back east, and they'd always had trouble explaining to people what Jackson Hole was, the, the region, you know, the, the valley. 
And uh, I, I got a phone call one day, and the guy on the other end was really excited. And he says, you know something? We went back to the show with your illustration, and we didn't have to explain anything. They just saw it. And uh, that was the biggest uh, compliment I could ever get is, is you know, it, it explains it. That's what I like to do. That's magical. <laughs> God, that's magical. Have there ever been any specific uh, out of – and you've been – Good Lord, you've been all around the globe. Uh, you've done a ton of work in places like New Zealand. And uh, you've been to Russia. You've been all over the place. Have there been any jobs that were more challenging than others? That there was just something about it that was harder to kind of render? Well, of course, uh, to render the ski mountains, uh, you got to turn all the slopes towards you. And so the more... There are, and and uh, and if you look at the different directions that they might flow in, well, I'll take for instance uh, Park City Mountain and the canyons now, mm-hmm. all in one, and uh, they're just uh, many different things that you've got to turn and 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 show skiing down both sides. So it's it's uh, uh, that well, that one was particularly uh, uh, difficult. And another one that I just finished up was uh, Mount Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And on Mount Bachelor, why there's 360 degree skiing, and I really didn't want an overhead view because I really don't like uh, uh, ski runs that whenever you're it shows that that the runs that it should be running down are actually running up page. So, you know, I try to turn everything so that, so that the runs are, are running down page. And, um, and, and, uh, that was one that I could do basically because the, all the runs on the South side are not really cut runs. They're tree, uh, uh runs. And, um, so I could be general with it and they can go ahead and put their lines down through there and indicate the name of the run. So, so that made that possible. I think you get into like New Zealand and, and well, particularly Australia. All right. They, they just have a different, they have a tree down there called a snow gum tree. And, uh, so to, um, to illustrate that that tree was uh, challenging to me, mm. and uh, so and, and and perishers only got 500 feet vertical, you know, and to do so to do verti- to do uh, perisher and and exaggerate that a little bit, I chose to do a very early morning scene mm. that would cast a lot of shadows. And uh, so that turned out well on that one. That's awesome. Now, um, briefly, when it comes to older approaches to it, I think Hal Shelton almost had, there was almost two ways he would do it. One was kind of a promotional thing, and then the other was for kind of orienting you on the slopes. Do you see, do you kind of have that premise too, that there's kind of two directions? One is trying to give just an overall view and kind of draw people in. And the other one is I'm trying to help you get down the slope. <laughs> Are there two ways of doing it? Well, and, and that is the one way to do it. I think, you, you know, you can't, uh, I mean, why, why just put out some, some lines and say, all right, this is how to get down the mountain and not even show um, what you're skiing through or what you're enjoying. In the early days, I, I really, felt it was more important to be accurate than beautiful but i couldn't pass up getting it beautiful too so 
today with everything that we have, all the technology and everything, I think probably the accuracy is not, maybe not as important to the ski resorts as to beautify their area, to uh, show and to promote their area with the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really kind of hinging back on on uh, maybe some of the importance has shifted to portraying an area really beautifully. Yeah. I, I Again, I think you've, um, you've got something not just descriptive, but you, uh, you capture a lot of that intangible goodness <laughs> of a place that. Um, oh, well, thank you. Yeah. It's, you. it's all those. Uh, and I have to say a lot of it still kind of resonates for me with uh, your kind of color usage that it, there becomes this, kind of resonant warmth uh i somehow you've tapped into the that kind of maxfield parish kind of quality of uh something magical uh about a specific area it's uh, it's a wonderful thing to behold well well thanks my my color palette has really changed through the years but uh i've always tried to keep it realistic and uh, mine is perhaps a little greener than than then it, it it is greener than it is in the winter time, uh, but uh, uh, Hal told me early on. He says, uh, "Paint the colors as you see them from the ground, not as you see them from the air." Uh, you know, if you get an aerial photograph in the winter time, it, it's just all blues, and uh, there's just not uh, a, a lot of color. And so, that's so interesting. That's what I did. So, and I suppose that's another fine point of building that psychological connection of uh, the, that color scheme of how you would see it as you saw it on the ground. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Okay. Well, and I'll also paint the uh, top part of the mountain uh, bluer than the bottom part. You know, it just shows more elevation, and and uh, and and as you get lower on the mountain, not only do you have less uh, snow. If it's uh, been warm days, you know, uh, or you can get a frosting on the top of the mountain and the bottom will be uh, clear of snow. So things like that, you know, that I just like to bring out. Awesome. 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 Man, I, I should admit, I, I should have mentioned too, you know, I have a couple of guys that have come in that um, they've always kept all of their ski maps from when they've gone places, which I found, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I found intriguing. And uh, yeah, that you, you live on in people's hearts and homes many times over just because that was, it was interesting that the way that they remembered your experience was your map. Like that's how they connoted all that kind of that dense amount of memories and getting, you know, getting a good instance of really good powder was, Oh yeah. And I kept the map, which I thought that was so cool. So, so cool. that, that's the most gratifying part of the whole thing is, uh, you know, I go uh, to these ski shows and uh, sign books and, and it's repeatedly they'll come up. They're so excited. And they say, you know, I've got my whole room is covered with your maps. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it, it just is a, it, it's, it's a, a, just surprising to me how many, how many people express that. There couldn't be much, uh, you know. I, I can't think of a, of a, of a medium or, a, or an, an artist anywhere that has a has more uh, gratification than I do because they're out there, they're being used, they're being folded up and put in pockets. But that's my art, and I'm really, really uh, very glad that I could have done it. 
Our thanks to James Nehus. We sure appreciated a chance to chat. You can visit him at his webpage. You spell Nehus, N-I-E-H-U-E-S, jamesnehus.com. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.